political hitman. Howie Silberger, your political hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. We are live on a Wednesday morning, and you could call in. Number to call, 301-768-4841 in North America. In Israel, 02-6500-151. It's been quite a while since I've been on, and I'm, I'm happy to be back. Uh, I've had a, a little bit of setbacks, but things are going great, and I'm happy to be back. But, you know, being off the air for a while kind of lets you sit around and think. And sometimes thinking is good, and sometimes thinking is uh, is not so good, and sometimes thinking leads to shows like this. So uh, we're, today, I want to talk about I want to talk about stuff I've been thinking about over the last couple of months, stuff that I wanted to talk about originally uh, during the shows that I should have been doing over the last little while, but I didn't have a chance to do, and uh, and and stuff that's just occurred to me over the last couple of months that. That, that shocks me to a certain extent. Now, I don't get shocked easily. I've been doing this a long time, and uh, I've, I've seen pretty much everything uh, when, it comes to, uh, when it comes to politics. I, I, I've covered pretty much everything. Uh, but, but the events of the last little while have really thrown a wrench into the way I think about how the world is running today. And those of you who have listened to the show for a long time know that uh, that I think that the world is collapsing. We we are imploding as a society, especially in North America. The North American society is definitely imploding. Uh, but but there is no greater indication that this is happening than what's going on with corporations. You see, corporations have always ruled, and they've always they've always been there as the guiding light as to how the how, how North American, how the capitalist societies in North America work. So when corporations are booming, people are working and and produce and uh, and, and supplies are going and uh, and products are being manufactured and everything is kind of cool and working well. And everybody's happy. The stock market's up and and people are making money. Investments are good. Every Everything kind of works out. Uh, and, and the reason for that, and there was a very specific reason on why when corporations are happy, everybody else is happy. Uh, the specific reason was that corporate greed ran corporations. So corporations' sole purpose, any corporation, their sole purpose was to make money. And it didn't matter how they made money, if they were ruthless, if they were unscrupulous, if, if they were honest. It didn't really matter. The end goal of any corporation was we, we got to turn a profit. And the profit is what we're looking to do, and we really just don't care uh, how we do it. It's a dog-eat-dog world. And we will, we will eat you, we will destroy you, we will crush you in order to make a profit. And, and that was the mantra of corporations for, for, for centuries, really, in a capitalistic North American society. But what we see today, that corporations have moved away from that model. And, and it's, it's shocking that a corporation would move away from that model. It wasn't that long ago that we had, we had, we, we had protests. There, there were protests around the world uh, about corporate greed. CEOs are making, you know, ten million dollars, and their 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 slave worker bees are making are making minimum wage, and we we heard those arguments for 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 decades and decades and decades. Uh, in in America, you had you had the um, you had the Occupy Wall Street movement, which was which was 
sole purpose. Its sole purpose was to bring minimum wage up to $15 and, and kill the corporations and get the CEOs to stop taking such bonuses. This was the, this was the, the whole idea of, of, of the leftist movement was to stop corporations and to turn, to turn society into a socialist society and, and people who work hard for the money and CEOs who run companies that, that make lots of money shouldn't make as much money and all that money should be redistributed to the to the masses, which is basically the the concept of communism. Uh, take money from the corporations, take money from the rich and redistribute it to the four. Uh, the, the the Robin Hood syndrome. And so uh, and so when we when we take a look at what corporations are doing today, we realize that that is not what's happening in corporations at all. Corporations are not being greedy anymore. They don't care about the bottom line. And it's become abundantly clear that this is the case when you look at two major corporations that basically torpedoed their companies. They torpedoed their, 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 their client base for ideology because that's what matters today. What matters today is ideology. Ideology comes before anything else. So, so the first example of this that I, that I want to talk about because it, it's just almost infuriating is Budweiser Beer. So Budweiser Beer decided for their Bud Light movement, for the Bud Light product, excuse me, they were going to hire a, a, a cross-dressing weirdo to, to be their spokesperson. And they did that. They, 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 they hired this, this, uh, uh, this trans person to, to be their spokesperson. Now, now, it's a weird move for a beer company not such a weird mood for people running a beer company who want to be trendy or who want to uh, who want who want to be pandering to a certain very small demographic of people who 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 buy into this whole uh, everybody everybody has to accept this mantra but but at the end of the day uh, what happens is beer drinkers people who drink budweiser beer are not the people who buy into that kind of ideology and so Budweiser stocks went crashing down, and and Budweiser sales went crashing down, and now they're trying to reverse themselves. But it's you know once you let the cat out of the bag, once you open up that door, it is almost truly impossible to close it again. So so Budweiser has has pretty much tanked their their tanked their um, their sales, and, and tanked their business. It's it's questionable whether Budweiser is going to survive this move. And then the second one that we saw was Fox News getting rid of Tucker Carlson. So here was a man. I, I, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, uh, I wasn't a big fan of Tucker Carlson. I'm not a big fan of um, of ranting radio, even though ranting television. Even though I do ranting radio, I, I'm not such a big fan of ranting television. And uh, and I always watch these shows with a little bit of skepticism because I understand that uh, because I do it myself. So I understand that uh, a lot of what we present is selective selective information. So, so I'll, I'll be on the show and I'll give you my opinion. And I'm, I'm quite clear that this show is an opinion show and it's my opinion. I'm not trying to give you no, news. But, but you know that if somebody else is talking about this topic or whatever topic I'm talking about, they're going to give you an alternate opinion. And it may not jive with my opinion. It may not, it may not correspond with my opinion at all. And that's okay that that happens, and it's okay to have varying opinions. I'm good with that. So, so Fox News dumping a host on their show on on their, on their network, who is bringing in four million viewers a night, 
has ki- has killed the network. Basically, the network is uh, is struggling to recover. This was the most popular man in talk radio. He posted a thirty second uh, video on Twitter that got over four million views. He announced today or yesterday that he is um, that he's moving his show to Twitter and he's going to do his show on Twitter, which which means that he'll probably get less views than he got on Fox, but uh, but but more reach. So here you have two major corporations that have decided to drop profits, to 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 forget about profits, to negate the concept of corporate greed, which drove with which, as I said before, we've been driving corporations forever. In order to push an ideological, political point of view. Now, if this is not a scary proposition, I don't know what is. We should all be very concerned that corporations aren't being greedy anymore. Why? You know, this is what we wanted, isn't it? Isn't this is what everyone was what was protesting about? Shouldn't we be happy that corporations are dropping uh, their their greed and and moving towards ideology? No, no, we shouldn't. Because the more society accepts, the corporations are, are, are major parts of society, and the more society accepts the debauchery and, and the craziness that is trying to be passed off as normal, and the more society tries to normalize that, and, and corporations will have a big say in normalizing that, they buy advertising on, on television, on radio, in, in newspapers, uh, whatever newspapers are left, uh, online. The more they normalize this kind of craziness that we're seeing around the world, and the more that they try to to normalize this through ads and through uh, through through the the kind of things that they sponsor and the, the the kind of programming that they they sponsor, the crazier the world is going to get, and the closer we are going to get to a collapsed society. And, and that is a scary prospect because if society collapses, we end up in anarchy. And an, anarchi- an anarchist society is exactly what we saw in, in America, is exactly what we saw in the United States of America two summers ago when Black Lives Matter anarchists ran into the street and started destroying the country. People died. People got hurt. And, and the media just reveled in it. And, and the society just reveled in it. And people donated money to anarchists who were destroying the country. The country never recovered from that. America has not recovered from the Black Lives Matter riots that happened a couple of years ago. We still have states, there's still states in the United States that allow people to walk into stores and just rob them. And there's no repercussions. There's no, there's no law that stops them from doing that. Now, in a lawless society, it gets scary, and it gets even scarier if you're Jewish in a lawless society. Because the first people they go after, the first people that are the target in a lawless society are the Jews. The first time society takes a turn, the first people that are going to be blamed are Jewish people. That has been the historic truth forever. We're going to take a little break. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the this is the political hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. You can feel free to call in. The numbers are on the top of the page at israelnewstalkradio.com.
political hitman. I'm Howie Silberger, your political hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. You could feel free to join me in conversation. That's right, you could call in. It's a live show on a Wednesday morning. You could call in 301-768-4841 in North America, 0265-00151 in Israel. And, of course, those numbers are available on the top of the page at israelnewstalkradio.com. So just go to the website and you'll find the numbers there. But feel free to interrupt me. Call in. I want to talk to you. Uh, and feel free to join in in the conversation. It'd be great. So we are living in, in an insane world. The, the world is getting crazier and crazier as time goes on. And it, it's gotten to a point where we have to start questioning our sanity. You, you, know, you know what happens? Uh, there's no saying, you know, I'm, I'm normal. The world's crazy. Um, and it normally applies to people who are crazy who think that they're normal and the world's crazy. But, but in this case here, uh, I'm starting to believe it. I'm starting to believe that I'm normal and the world's crazy. Now, I don't know if that is a sign of, of my lunacy, that, I, that I've finally lost my mind, but, but I, I think we're getting somewhere to that point where, where I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to function in the world the way it's going. Uh, I'm, I'm a guy who has strong opinions on many different topics, and, and I, I express my opinions on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. Uh, I express my opinions very publicly. And, and doing so puts me into jeopardy, not, not, not physical jeopardy, that's, that's happened before, but I'm not worried about physical jeopardy, but it puts me into jeopardy, my career into jeopardy. Uh, people have said the wrong thing 20 years ago and are now being fired from their jobs for saying something that, that's 20 years ago or 30 years ago. It's crazy. Holding people accountable for words that they said 30 years ago where, where, where the entire atmosphere and the entire world was different, the context of what they said was different, is, is absolutely insane. And asking me to, to suspend my belief, uh, look, uh, I don't like hypocrisy. I'm, I'm just going to stop my sentence there because I don't like hypocrisy. Uh, hypocrisy really bothers me. And so let's go back to before covid to the time before COVID where, where life was not normal, but it was a little more normal than it is today. And, and, and understand that, that when we gave up our power, we gave up our rights, when we gave up the, the, the right to say no, the right to say, I'm, you're not going to put me under house arrest, the right to say, no, I'm not going to inject a, a, a strange chemical into my body because you tell me to. Uh, an experimental drug that hasn't been tested into my body because you tell me to. No, I'm not going to do that. When we gave up that right, and as the world, as world population, we gave up that right uh, to governments. Those governments took control of our lives, and and they and they exerted that control. Uh, you know, there are still still places in 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 North America you can't walk into without a mask on, even though it has been scientifically proven that. You know, maybe it's ineffective. But there's certain places you can't do that, which is crazy. When you when you think about it, it's kind of nuts. But that's, that's the truth. It's kind of crazy. Uh, and the world has gone nuts in that kind of way. 
you know, believe the science is what they tell us. And I, I said, okay, okay. Even though science is not something you should be believing in, because even scientists don't believe in the science. The whole concept of science is that we have a truth, and we're always trying to disprove that truth. And when we disprove that truth, then we have another truth that we're trying to disprove. If that wasn't the case, there would be no scientific research. If that wasn't the case, then, then, then scientific experiments wouldn't happen. So, so you, have, you have a truth, and then you're trying to disprove the truth. You have a theory, a hypothesis, and you're trying to disprove or prove the hypothesis. That's the whole concept of science. Don't believe the science. Always try to find better science. Always try to, try to disprove the science and find, find other ways to do things. That's the concept of science. But, but we're told, believe the science. Believe the science. Science is great. Believe the science. Until they tell us that the science was wrong. And it's fine. I could say, okay. Let's believe the science. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt and believe the science. Fine. You want to insist I believe the science? I believe the science. But you can't tell me then, a month later or two months later or a year later, that there's, there's no such thing as males and females. You can't tell me that a year later or two years later, gender doesn't exist or there are 500 genders. You can't tell me that. If you tell me to believe the science... Then that's believing all science. By telling me to believe this science and not believe that science, that's hypocritical. So, so I have to believe the science when it's good for you ideologically? That doesn't make any sense to me. And it should make sense to anybody. This is nonsensical, yet the world seems to be buying into this garbage. It doesn't even make sense. It's not even logical, but the world's buying into it. And it's getting more and more difficult to be a normal person living in the world with normal views on science, just two biologies. There's, there's male and female. That's it. And that applies to everything in the world. There's a male and there's a female. And that's how you reproduce. It's not rocket science, even though even rocket science, male and females exist in rocket science too. But, but okay. It, it's a basic concept. But tell me I can't believe in that? Tell me that I can't state it? Tell me that I have to accept? I have to accept it? That, that some people, that, that I have to accept other people's lunacy? Seems kind of insane to me. But even me saying this right now on this show is considered radical. I'm considered a radical person for saying that I believe in science, but I believe in all science. You tell me I have to believe in science, I believe it. I don't doubt it. But biology is a science, and I believe in biology. I'd be considered a radical. In fact, uh, in fact, I've had shows removed from YouTube for saying exactly that. Censoring me. For saying that I believe in science. That's the world we live in today. That's the kind of society that, that, that we've accepted. And normal people have sat back apathetically accepting this kind of society, apathetically accepting the fact that the crazies have taken over the asylum. And we are being run right now by, by crazies, that the world is being run by nutcases. Nutcases that are insisting that we accept fallacies, we accept fantasies, and we accept, we accept uh, 
We accept non-truths as truth. And those of us that refuse, those of us that stand up and say no way, those of us that, that say, hey, wait a second, take a step back and let's take a look at this, we became the crazies. We became the people who have to be institutionalized. The world has gone upside down. Very scary prospect. Very scary, if you think about it. It's, it's extremely, extremely frightening to think that the next generation of leaders will have been bred with this ideology already hell-bent into them. I had a guy who came up to me the other day. I had done a show um, a while back, another show a while back, where we talked about suicide. Now, it's, it's, it's a terrible, it's a terrible thing to talk about, a terrible thing to happen. And we talked about suicide. It was in the context of a larger conversation. And a guy came up to me and said, we don't use the word suicide anymore. And I looked at him and I said to him, I, I don't understand what you're saying. It's a word. It describes an action, an unfortunate action, a, a horrific action, but, but it describes a horrific action. He says, no, 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 we don't use that. We use the word unlived. The word suicide is a trigger word. The word unlived is not a trigger word. Uh, unlived? Really? English? I, I don't know. I, you know I, I, really don't, I really don't know how to respond to this. I don't, I don't know how to respond to it then. I don't know how to respond to it now. Unlived? Now you're going to police my vocabulary? What kind of dystopian world are we living in? Who wrote the script to this world? George Orwell's been dead for years. But here we are. We're, we're living in a dystopian world. The, the world is getting more and more dystopian as we go. It is absolutely insane. And yet, the masses have accepted this. The masses have stood back and just quietly accepted this. Silence is acceptance. Apathy reigns. And when apathy reigns, the crazies take over. When you don't care enough to, to do something about it, then you're just bound to live with it. If we are going to assume that the American election wasn't rigged, then more people voted for a senile old man than any other president in the history of the United States. It seems really weird that people would do that, doesn't it? Why do you think that was? Let's take a look at that after the break. I'm Howie Silberger. This is Political Hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. You can feel free to call in. The numbers are on the top of the page at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And, of course, uh, you, could, you could join me in conversation. I'd love to talk to you. I'm Howie Silberger. This is Political Hitman on Israel News Talk Radio.
political hitman. I'm Howie Silberger. This is Political Hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. So glad to be here. You can feel free to call in and join in on the conversation. Number to call, 301-768-4841 in North America. In Israel, the number is 0265-00151. How did we get here? How did we get to the point where, 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 where the world has gone nuts and, and we're still living in this crazy, crazy world? There was a um, there was a a Russian uh, defector, a former KGB agent. His name was Yuri Bezmenov. Now he claimed in 1984. Ironically, in 1984, he made this claim, and we seem to be living in the um, in, in the in the real life incarnation of the book 1984. But in 1984, Yuri Be- Bezmenov made the claim that Russia had a long term goal of ideologically subverting the United States. He described the process as a great brainwashing that had four basic stages. The first stage, he said, was called demoralization, which take about 20 years to achieve. Uh, and uh, that, that's exactly what they did. The demoralization was uh, the, um, the, the fight against the Vietnam War, the fight against the Korean War, the, uh, the, the, fight, the fight against uh, America exerting itself as a superpower. Uh, in, um, he, also, he also said the second, the second stage was... Um, was was changing the way America looked at family values. It was the way America looked at the, at society, how society ran, and and then we saw that as we saw the uh, the destruction of the parental units, the destruction of a family unit. We saw the destruction of um, we saw the destruction of um, of the 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 respect for a father, and that that was done all through the media. So. In the 1950s, if a father was depicted in the media in any way, so a television show, a radio show, whatever, if a father was depicted in the media, the father would always be depicted as the person who knows best. Father who knows best was a very popular show in the United States in the uh, in the 1950s, and uh, and throughout the 60s, the 50s and the 60s, the father was always the central figure in a family. Who, who always had the sage advice that children would go to the father for, for, uh, for, for whatever problems they had. And then you saw that change radically in the 1970s. And the big change came with a show called All in the Family. Now, now it's interesting to think that All in the Family would be a huge show that would change the way people look at fathers. But that, that's what happened. So All in the Family had a character named Archie Bunker. He was the main character of the show. He was a blatant racist. Uh, he, he was not even a racist. He was a simpleton, uh, a factory worker who uh, who lived in in Brooklyn or in the Bronx, and uh, he um, and he, he he just expressed his opinion. He was just a flat out uh, guy who who worked on a shipping law shipping yard and you know and had opinions on everybody and didn't like uh, didn't like change, didn't like immigrants, didn't like anything. And the show pitted him against. His yeah, his uh, his hippie son-in-law, uh, a guy they called Meathead in the show. He called him Meathead in the show, and the son-in-law would always win the ideological fights with the father. And so it was. It wasn't so much that the the children were asking the father for advice, and the father was giving the advice, and the children were saying, "Thank you, Daddy, for the advice." 
Now the father figure became the one who always lost the fight. He became the dumb one, and the child became the smart one. And that continued to continue with the Jeffersons and all the spinoffs of uh, All in the Family, all perpetrated that whole philosophy that the father was the buffoon, and the mother was the smart one, and the children were even smarter than the parents. And it degraded the concept of, of father and mother, degraded the parenthood concept. And then it continued. So if you moved on into the 80s, uh, you had you had also very strong women figures. So so the woman figure came came up. Now I didn't even need a father anymore. Um, Mary Tyler Moore. I don't need a man anymore. Uh, you know I, I can live on my own. And all the single mothers started coming up in the 1980s and the uh, in the early 90s. But but another figure, another powerful father figure, really sealed the fate of fathers altogether in, in society. And his name was Homer Simpson. So what is interesting, in, in The Simpsons, which have been on the air for about 30 years now, uh, The Simpsons started as a skit show on another, on a, on a sketch, as a skit on a sketch show. And when they, in that skit on a sketch show, Homer Simpson was actually an intelligent man. He, uh, he, he was just a hardworking man trying to earn money for his family, trying to send his kids to school and put food on the table. That's what he was doing. And as society started pushing away the father figure, pushing away family values, you saw it reflected in these shows, particularly in The Simpsons, where Homer Simpson became a buffoon. He's almost unrecognizable from the character he was originally. And this has degraded the, the status of father in society and has normalized the idea that you can have a family without a father. You can have you can have, you know the children don't need fathers. Why why what do they need fathers for? But anything you could do, I could do better. A woman could you know raise a family without a man. Who needs a man? And this is part of that KGB plan that Brezhnev uh, he explained. He said, "Listen, you know we're going to knock down the family values. We're going to destroy society as we know it. We're going to take it apart." And then the third stage, he said, would be crisis. So crisis would take uh, only up to six weeks to send the country into a crisis. He said the crisis would bring a violent change of power, structure, and economy, and will be followed by a last stage, normalization. That's when your country is basically taken over, living under new ideology and reality. And this will happen to America unless it gets rid of people who bring it to crisis. And if people fail to grasp the impending danger of that development, nothing will ever help the United States, he said. You may kiss goodbye to your freedom. So we had a couple of crises. So, so now the, the, the destabilization period was over. The family values structure was destroyed. The moralistic structure of society was destroyed. Stage two was done in this KGB plot to destroy America. Stage two was done. Destabilization had happened. Nobody respected fathers. Uh, family values were, were, were in the toilet. Morality was in the toilet. Nothing, nothing worthwhile existed anymore. Debauchery on television. Uh, really, society descended down into a, uh, a pit of despair, into, um, into the gutter, gutter system. It was garbage. Everything was garbage. Society had become garbage. Children talking about immoral and, and, and horrifically immoral acts. 
children committing horrifically immoral acts. We, we've gotten to the point in society, especially North American society, where, where, where there's no redeeming value to anything happening in North America. Society has really descended to the lowest common denominator. And that is exactly what demoralization was supposed to have. And that's what was supposed to happen with destabilization. So you demoralize society by removing the family values, by removing the respect for, for the elders, removing, uh, removing that top layer. You destabilize um, society by, <coughs> by um, you know, it takes two to five years to destabilize society. And that's what you, you, you start taking apart elements, structural elements of society, economy, foreign relations, defense. Um, and uh, and that's what you do. And then the third stage is crisis. So you create a crisis. And when you create the crisis, then the people have to follow what the government says. So we take a look at a couple of crises that have happened over the last couple of years. Uh, one being COVID, where society basically gave everything to the government. You could take all of our rights. 9-11. The Patriot Act of 9-11, take all our rights, forget about it. The government can now spy on you. They could arrest you with no cause. They could hold you forever at Guantanamo Bay. Uh, uh, and, uh, and the final crisis, the Black Lives Matter riots that happened a couple, of year, a couple of years ago, where now you could just walk into the street and destroy society, <laughs> rip apart cities, kill people with no repercussion whatsoever. The crisis stage is over. And the last stage is called normalization. That's when your country is basically taken over and living under a new ideology, which is the new world order that many countries were talking about. That uh, that we have to use the uh, the COVID pandemic as a as a launching pad for the new world order, which is what they called it, which is which is terrible if you think about it. Um, and and we have to uh, we have to do a great reset. That was the words they used. The great reset. And that great reset was the normalization stage that this KGB agent was talking about in 1984. And the normalization stage, he said, would bring a violent change of power, structure, and economy. And, uh, and this is what we're seeing. This is exactly what we're seeing. So normalization means that, that you know, all the crazy stuff that we're seeing now being normalized is a result of the Twitter stages. So now, you know, normalizing all this crazy stuff, it just continues to destabilize society, which eventually will cause America and North America to implode. Society will implode. And from the rubble of what's left of society, you'll be able to build up a communist state or a socialist state, which is why now you're starting to see the rise of the socialist movement, people jumping up and saying, hey, let's turn America into a socialist movement. This is, this is where it came from. So people laughed People laughed at Bezanov when he came up with this concept in 1984, when he told you that as a KGB agent, this is exactly what he was trained to, to, uh, to, to believe and trained to, you know, to, to um, this is what he was sent to America to do. And everyone laughed at him. He, he lectured in four or five different universities, giving the lecture and warning America about this, and everyone basically laughed at him. But if we take a look at what's happened in the last 50 years, we see that exactly what he said would happen, happened. And that happens a lot, where the media ignores the truth to feed you lies. And then you find out 
that the lies are actually truth. That that what 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 was told what you were told originally is the actual truth. This is infuriating because if America had worked to counter the three steps that the KGB had put into place to destabilize America, to destroy America, we wouldn't be in the situation where America is now. But they didn't. Nobody took it seriously. America's in big trouble. When America's in big trouble, the Jews of America are in big trouble. And if the Jews in America are in big trouble, this is why I'm talking about this. This is why it's important. This is why the state of Israel has never been more important than it is today. As America lowers itself and continues to collapse into irrelevancy, a scapegoat is going to have to be chosen. And that scapegoat will inevitably be the Jews. So the choice is not, not simple. It's not an easy choice. But we have to learn from our history. We have to understand that historically, when Jews were the scapegoat, it never ended well for the Jewish population. It never ended well for the Jewish community. We have to understand that we are but guests on countries that aren't ours. Jews living in the diaspora are just guests in countries that aren't theirs. And we've gotten to the point where we've outlived our welcome. We've outlived our stay. Now, in the past, when Jews outlived their stay in those countries, they had nowhere to go. Fortunately, today, we have the state of Israel. Fortunately, today, Jews have where to go. But you have to want to do it. You have to understand. You have to look and realize that you're at a place where this is the time to, to, to make a decision. You don't want to make the decision when it's too late. You don't want to make the decision when the scapegoating has started. Because if you do it then, you're going to be stuck. And if you get stuck... Historically speaking, you may not make it out alive. And it's a scary thing to say. It's a horrible thing to say. It's, it's, it's horrific. But, you know, we just had Yom HaShoah not long ago. And all those Jews that, that were taken, that were murdered, have to teach us a lesson. We have to learn the lesson of the Holocaust. We have to make never again a mantra that actually means something. We have to move to Israel. I'm Howie Silberger. This is Political Hitman. Thank you for joining me. I will see you again next week right here on Israel News Talk Radio. Have a great week. <laughs>